If you thought Medicare was old-fashioned, you haven't heard the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. The Medicare podcast that proudly speaks the Queen's English. Air Force Bratzi was fun, but he earns more as a Medicare expert. Here is Doug Jones. Hello, hello, hello. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a great pleasure to see you with us. Uh, hear you with uh, have you with us let's let's do it that way it's a great pleasure to have you with us today it's a beautiful sunny day in arizona late morning we are uh, looking forward to longer and longer days we've crossed over that threshold of the uh, winter solstice and uh, this is going to be the first full day i think on the other side of the line and i'm looking forward to the sun warming up the earth to an extent that it hasn't for quite some time thank you so much for joining us at the medicare for the lazy man podcast you are here where people come to become experts in medicare painlessly that's the difference. You can become an expert in many other ways. Uh, you can become a Medicare expert by reading things like Medicare for Dummies, which is a grand total of 424 pages long. At least that's the edition I have. You can become a Medicare expert by going to Medicare.gov on the Internet and reading all of the fine Medicare information they have there. The problem is many of these resources for Medicare, other books and so forth, have elements included that are not useful. And so you're learning a whole bunch of stuff that it's unnecessary to learn, unnecessary to address, and frankly, not necessary to even encounter for the vast majority of people enrolling in Medicare. If you were to select Medicare for the Lazy Man 2023 from Amazon, you would have a finely tuned set of Medicare facts and instructions that would behoove or that would actually uh, that would serve you better than almost any other source for uh, impact and for reliability of information and eventually for allowing you to make your Medicare decisions confidently and move along with the rest of your life without having to look back and worry whether you did the right so I'm going to say once more that if you were to go to Medicare for the Lazy Man 2023, look for those orange numbers, 2023, across the cover. You're going to be in the right place for acquiring Medicare knowledge. So uh, here we are once again. I mentioned that it's a beautiful, sunny summer, not summer, uh, winter day in Arizona. But compared to what's going on in other parts of the country, it is very summery here. In fact, on Christmas Day, I believe the uh, the uh, diagnosis, the diagnosis, the weather forecast is something on the order of 72 degrees. At least that's what I saw yesterday. I don't know if it's still there. It seems to change a few degrees here and there every day. But they were predicting a high of 72 degrees here in the greater Phoenix area for Christmas Day of 2022. So I'm looking forward to that. I may go out and do some quality work on the cars out in the garage and uh, enjoy the weather. So, Randy Carson, how are things uh, today? This uh, should be a stellar day for you since there are no clouds in the sky. 
No clouds, no rain, no snow, no frogs dropping out of the sky, none of that. This is just a typical Arizona, you know, should I call it? No, it's not early winter. Is it late winter? What is it? Well, in in reality, the winter time begins at the solstice. Now, I've never understood why it doesn't just straddle the solstice, but I think we have to say early winter because... Okay, well, let's say early winter, so... You know, granted, I'm not going to go out swimming in the pool anytime soon but because it's only 57 degrees, but that sure beats about 400 degrees below zero back in the east or yeah. Midwest. Uh, you've got all the stats there. What's the predicted high for today, which is a few days before Christmas? Uh, let me check here. Hold on. I get all my weathery things out here. I can give you the whole scoop right here. Already? Okay, we are going to have a high today, looks like about 63 degrees at 2 o'clock. All righty. Well, I like to hear that. Um, my Sunday, di- my, Sunday, okay, we're go going for, Sunday, we're going for 71. Excellent. That's what I love to hear because it is, uh, we have nothing but sunshine in our futures here, it looks like. Monday, my source says 71 as well, and Tuesday, 70. It says we have four days in the 70s, uh, staring us right in the face, Randy. My God, that that's just wonderful. Absolutely. That's uh, what we're paying for. <laughs> so That's why, that's why I moved here. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing is we're trying not to laugh, but we're hearing all kinds of bad news about giant weather systems in the middle of the United States. And um, living uh, is uh, getting to be dangerous there. Traveling is uh at least inconvenient, if not dangerous. And so they're warning all those people to stay home, hunker down, don't go out, don't risk your life. In Arizona, it's just the opposite. So we're having a good time, but maybe we shouldn't talk about it that much. You know, Arizona has got a million people and how many representatives now with a population as large as it has. I think that's my fault because I first came here as a little kid and I've been talking it up ever since. And I believe- You really should have kept it under your hat. Yeah, we would have the old Arizona still if I had just kept my mouth shut and so many people hadn't heard about it and come to find out for themselves. You know what they saw in western Nebraska the What's other that? day? What a is mastodon. That? Wow. Uh, was it alive and walking around? Yeah, it was because the cold weather hit and it, it really it triggered something back there and the mastodons are back. Well. Frankly, if you got to have an animal to look at, why not have one that's uh, that hasn't been around much lately? So you have something interesting. Because we could do that. You get tired of looking at the same old animals all the time. True. True. So let me get started here because uh, we seem to have fallen into the uh, the trap sometimes of uh, yakking through the whole episode until there's almost no time left for Medicare content. And I don't like doing that. So, And I'm sure the audience didn't come here just to listen to you and I twiddle-twaddle. So I'm going to start out with a couple of uh, articles that I found kind of interesting. I was hoping that they were indicative of... Uh, importance yet to come. One thing says that um, Congress has been working on a sweeping deal to ease Medicare pay cuts to doctors. Now, you may have heard me say in the past that um, it is important for doctors and medical providers, especially those who 
work for the um, public sector whose uh, reimbursements are uh, controlled by Medicare, those providers want to be adequately compensated. And I don't blame them. I want them to be highly motivated to do a good job. I want them to be cheerful when they uh, treat me. When I need treatment, I don't want a bunch of grumpy gusses working on me. And so uh, what uh, the uh, some of the uh, policy wonks in Congress have been predicting that, or you know proposing that we have a reduction in compensation to the doctors and other providers in Medicare. I think that's generally a bad idea because I want those people to be highly motivated and I want the compensation that they're paid to be enough to attract really competent new talent because we've always got people moving into the medical field and I want the best of the best to be the ones that are working on me when I need work done, which I hope isn't ever, or at least not too often. So leaders in Congress have reached a sweeping deal to ease the Medicare pay cuts to doctors and to make major changes to post-pandemic Medicaid policy and to help prepare for future pandemics, which I refer to as panics. Lawmakers are aiming to pass a health care policy package along with legislation to fund the federal government by Friday. That's tomorrow. The details of the omnibus spending package were confirmed by two lobbyists and two congressional aides. Here's the uh, Medicare portion of that that policy. Doctors were facing down a 4.5% Medicare pay cut at the end of the year. And they had pleaded with Congress to cancel the cuts altogether. Lawmakers met them halfway. In 2023, physicians will face a cut. And in 2024, the amount will increase to 3.5%, two lobbyists said. Lawmakers are also expected to waive a rule that would have resulted in further cuts to Medicare. The Medicare Hospital at Home program is also supposed to be extended for two years. Some of the package will be paid for by extending future Medicare pay cuts until 2032. Leftover Medicare funds from the gun safety bill that Congress passed earlier this year were also used to pay for some of the policy. Some behavioral health policy could also be included as well as a two-year extension of the program that supports safety net and rural hospitals. So I don't know. Um, Once again, I want the people that work on me, the medical professionals that serve the people and that are reimbursed by Medicare, I want their reimbursement rates to be high enough that they are highly motivated to do a good job, to do it cheerfully, and to uh, attract new, highly competent people to their field of endeavor. And along those lines, I've got an article here that says, Medicare pay cuts will hurt, and I don't like this word, seniors care, doctors argue. Doctors are urging Congress to call off cuts scheduled to take effect on January 1st in the reimbursements they receive from Medicare. In what has become an almost yearly ritual, physician groups are arguing that patients will have greater difficulty finding doctors who accept Medicare if lawmakers allow the pay cuts to happen. A more than 4,000-page draft government spending bill released by lawmakers early on Tuesday morning proposed a much smaller than planned cut to Medicare payments. But the bill, which Congress hoped to pass by the weekend to keep the government funded, I say don't fund the government. How's it, How do you like them apples? 
they want to avert a government shutdown. Hey, you know, nothing bad happens with a government shutdown, except we don't spend the money. And then what did they do? They go out and give back pay to all the people after the shutdown ends. I say shut the government down and leave it shut down. Anyway, um, despite overwhelming bipartisan, bicameral support, to stop the full Medicare physician payment cut, Congress failed once again to end the cycle of harmful Medicare cuts, showing a disregard for vulnerable seniors. Uh, so the doctor's lobbying campaign had gained traction on Capitol Hill. A bipartisan group of 115 House lawmakers rallied behind doctors in a letter to congressional leaders and President Joe Biden last week, urging them to prevent cuts that they argued would only make a bad situation far worse for Medicare patients. In recent uh, recent years, Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, they call themselves CMS, but there are really two M's there. So let's call them what they are, the CMMS cuts to offset the cost of increasing payments for underpaid services like primary care. Physicians also stand to see... Reductions tied to broad cuts implemented by Congress in recent decades to try to control government spending. Some Republicans have pushed to wait on passing the spending package until their party controls the House of Representatives next year and can have a greater say over what they call out-of-control spending. One priority of the incoming House Republican majority is curbing Social Security and Medicare, a federal health insurance program for people age 65 and older, among others. We're mortgaging our kids' futures, says Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, a Republican on the Senate Budget Committee. This is killing us from a financial standpoint. It's got to stop. Despite concerns about ballooning government spending, for years, doctors have been successful in delaying or softening proposed pay cuts, arguing that there would be dire consequences if the cuts kicked in. Physicians carry a lot of political weight in Washington. The American Medical Association, the professional organization that represents and lobbies on behalf of physicians, has spent more than $460 million on lobbying in the last uh, 24 years, more than almost any other organization. Since the early 2000s, Congress has voted every year or two to delay or reverse plans to reduce Medicare payments to doctors. In 2015, Congress ended one measure that would have cut payments by 21%. Last year, Congress plugged a 3% hole. If Congress is unable to pass the spending bill, physicians face a 4.5% cut in Medicare fees. Under the draft legislation, Released on Tuesday, they would instead see about a 2% cut beginning January 1st. Other reductions, including a 4% cut under a congressional budget rule that balances spending and the expiration of a payment program that offered 5% bonuses, would be delayed or further reduced. As in previous years, physicians have waged a frantic campaign to convince Congress that reducing the amount paid to care for Medicare patients would drive more doctors away from accepting them as patients at all. Earlier this month, the American Medical Association sent a letter to congressional leaders signed by all 50 state medical associations, as well as that of the District of Columbia, arguing that pay cuts would take a toll on doctors and patients. Burnout, stress, workload, and the cumulative advantage of uh, the coronavirus 
are leading one in five physicians to consider leaving their current practice within two years. Payment cuts will only accelerate this unsustainable trend and undoubtedly lead to Medicare patients struggling to access health care services. According to the AMA, the cost of running a medical practice has climbed 39% from 2001 to 2021. But Medicare payments to doctors adjusted for inflation dropped by 20% over that span. Running our business is more expensive than it was, said Dr. So-and-so, a radiologist in Baltimore. She cited rising costs for expenses raising from gauze and surgical tubing to salaries for office staff. It's very hard. And when Medicare does something like this, it decreases access, specifically for seniors. There are patients looking for physicians they can't get. They're on Medicare, and physicians aren't accepting new Medicare patients, says a physician based in Santa Cruz, California. It is difficult to break even caring for Medicare patients under the current government rates, he said. He's the actual uh, president of the California Medical Association, so he speaks for a lot of docs in California. It just doesn't make economic sense to cut the rates. An agency that advises Congress on Medicare matters has expressed concern about certain Medicare payments for primary care and has reported that from 2015 to 2020, the number of primary care physicians treating Medicare beneficiaries has dropped from 2.8 to 2.4 per 1,000 beneficiaries. Those are participants in Medicare for you people that don't like uh, uh, the uh, uh, use of that terminology. I certainly don't like it because it reminds me of people on welfare. Anyway, according to the Medicare Payment Advisory Commission, about 3% of Medicare beneficiaries surveyed in 2021 said they had to look for a new primary care provider in the previous year and had trouble finding one. However, looking at a broader picture based on data from 2019 through 2021, access to clinician services for Medicare uh, participants appeared stable and com uh, comparable to or better than that for privately insured individuals. Uh, let's see here. So for 40 years, uh, this doctor has heard providers argue that they will go out of business or not accept Medicare patients if cuts go through. No, that's not a doctor. This is a professor of health policy and management at Johns Hopkins. So he's heard bad news about what will happen if Medicare cuts the pay, the reimbursement of providers for 40 years? Medicare patients are still seeing their physicians, hospitals, and other providers 40 years later. For most doctors, fee-for-service payments from Medicare represent a small portion of their business, he added. The rest can include their payments from Medicare Advantage health plans, which have their own payment system, and private insurers. Now, here's a here's a woman I don't even like thinking about. Senator Debbie Stabenow of Michigan, a top Senate Democrat, and Senator John Barrasso of Wyoming, a top Senate Republican, in November, they wrote a, a letter together signed by a bar, bipartisan group of 44 other senators urging party leaders to block the looming cuts. We'd like very much to have a health package that would stop cuts and do some other policy changes that we need. It's not agreed to yet, but I'd love to see it happen, Stabenow said in an interview on December 15th. Asked if she was optimistic, she said, I think we have a reasonable chance. All right, well, you've heard my opinion. It's uh, going to be unfortunate for everybody if they cut 
the reimbursement rates too low because doctors, fewer doctors will want to perform that sort of work. Therefore, fewer old people will uh, be able to find doctors easily, and everybody is going to be unhappy. So I say cutting reimbursement for the medical providers is probably not the right place to look for savings. And I just want to mention one thing because Randy and I are smokers. Now, we don't actually smoke, but we could, and we often think about it, and we like the concept. We just don't smoke anymore. Uh, a report cites struggling uh, uh, struggling and fatigued FDA tobacco regulators. Well, maybe you shouldn't have gone into the tobacco regulation business. An independent review by a panel of experts finds that the FDA's Center for Tobacco Products is overwhelmed and reactive, in particular around outside pressure and lawsuits from tobacco companies and public health groups related to vaping. Uh, the uh, panel warns the FDA's beleaguered tobacco unit lacks direction. The lack of clear direction and priorities at the U.S. Food and Drug Administration's tobacco division has hampered its ability to regulate electronic cigarettes and other products, according to an expert panel assembled to examine the problems at the agency. A blistering report released on Monday described the FDA's tobacco program as reactive and overwhelmed in its effort to oversee both traditional tobacco products and a sprawling market of largely unauthorized electronic cigarettes. The experts at the FDA, uh, their, their inconsistent approach to regulation is at least partly to blame for the spread of thousands of e-cigarette varieties that remain popular among teenagers. Well, why not? Uh, there's so much less destructive than tobacco itself that you've been telling us about for decades and decades that I don't see any problem with e-cigarettes at all, but that's just me talking. So uh, they're also uh, finding a major effort is needed to remove illegal vaping products. Well, why are they, are they illegal? Because the government wants them to be illegal. And um, it's incomprehensible to me when people, here's a little blurb, when people both vape and smoke, they don't swap cigarettes for e-cigs. Some cigarette users take up vaping to help them quit smoking or with the intention of switching to e-cigarettes altogether. But real-world research suggests that many adults who smoke cigarettes and vape, what's known as dual use, continue smoking over the long term, sometimes alongside the e-cigarettes. So what is my thought on that? So I'm out Irritation right now, Andy, uh, Randy, what's your name? <laughs> I am, uh, frankly, that's, I think that's going to do it for today because, uh, I say this is America. If people want to vape, let them vape. That's right. I'm not forcing them. There you go. Nobody's I'll guarantee you. What... What's that? I was going to say, you don't want to go to Russia with one of them though. No, not with, the, I think it was uh, cannabis uh, juice. That she uh, yeah, was there, was some, there was some juice in there of some unknown, none of, it probably wasn't their normal menthol juice. Yeah, I'm thinking she thought maybe the Ruskies wouldn't figure out what it was. Well, guess what? <laughs> they did. They were, they were gunning for her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were, any excuse, any port in the storm. You okay. got it. Well, we need to, uh, oh, we've used up our time. 
I think we used it very judiciously today. Well, that's and good we got we got a lot of content in here, maybe better than we do some days. But let's go ahead and sign off. We're out of time. We've uh, overstayed our, our our rent in the office, so they're going to kick us out shortly. But mm. before we do that, I want to make sure everybody knows how to contact Doug. He loves to get your letters at dbj at mlmmailbag.com. You can check us out at medicareforthelazyman.com website. We've got the new book out with the orange numbers. We've got audios. We've got Kindles. But more important, maybe not more important, but at least as important, please find a way to give us a couple ratings with five stars because we're right in the middle of the rating wars here for podcasts. And we certainly would appreciate it because without you, we wouldn't have nearly as much fun as we have with you. We'd be talking know, to each other talk- We, but we we would agree with just about everything, though. <laughs> yeah, we would. That's a nice thing. But on the other hand, if it's the same subjects over and over again, it's going to get pretty dull. So thank God for the audience. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for the audience because we really appreciate you spending a bit of your day with us at uh, Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. And but today you've spent about thirty two and a half minutes with Doug Jones. The anti-insurance insurance guy, originally from Oklahoma and still an Oklahoma boy, but living in Arizona now in the high mountains behind Cave Creek, Arizona, in his fortress of solitude. Bye-bye, everyone. <laughs>